listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church, located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit AntiochEast.com. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, 6 through 11. For when we were still without strength in due time... Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that You would bless this time of preaching. Help us to hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the title of the message is The Time of Love. The Time of Love. Now, we're, we're not going to get too far. Let me read to you. Look down there, if you would, at verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time. Those three words are the only words we're covering today. In due due time. God's demonstration of love is the plan of salvation. God's demonstration of love isn't pretty flowers on the side of the road. His demonstration of love isn't the glorious creation that we see, although that is a part of his love. But the demonstration of his love that he's talking about here is that he sent his only begotten son to die in your place for your sin so that you don't have to go to hell and can go to heaven and escape wrath. That's the love of God. He didn't have to do that. A lot of people say, well, God is uh, God has to give you a second. God doesn't have to give you a first chance. It is you that has offended a holy God. And so that is God's demonstration of love is the plan of salvation. That is his sending his son to die in our place in spite of our sin to make us his children. And verses 6 through 11 reveal four aspects of the death of Christ that prove it was a loving sacrifice. Okay? I'm only going to cover one today. Number one, his death was timely. His death was timely. We are going to look at one of the greatest or one of the the biggest theological theme that there is here in just a minute. But in that phrase, in due time, the ESV and the NASB, that's the New American Standard Bible and the English Standard Version, they translate it at the right time. That's pretty good. But the HCSB, it says at the appointed moment. I like that. At the very moment, at the appointed moment is when God did what he did. Now listen to me. The gospel story was no willy-nilly, thrown-together plan B. 
nor was the preaching of it, nor was the effectiveness of it, nor is the future of it. It is all the sovereign plan of God, and it all comes to fruition. It all comes to place in due time. The doctrine that I want us to talk about is the doctrines are the doctrine of the decree of God. It sounds hard to get into, doesn't it? The decree of God. What is that, Brother On? What do you mean by the decree of God? Well, MacArthur defines it like this in his systematic theology that he, he produced. It is God's eternal plan whereby, according to his declared will and for his glory, he foreordained everything that comes to pass. In other words, God plans everything. And God produces everything. It is basically God's sovereign plan. Prophecy Listen to me. Prophecy is not God looking down through time to tell us what will happen, but rather it is God looking down through time and telling us what he will cause to happen. It is God. Prophecy is God revealing what he's going to do, not what just might happen. He, it is God telling us and giving us the gracious gift of letting us in on what he's doing about what he's going to do. That's what prophecy is. Listen to Isaiah 46.10. Listen to this. Declaring the end from the beginning, talking about God, by the way, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all of my pleasure. Did y'all hear that? God did not stutter when he said that. Everything God wants to happen, guess what? It is going to happen. Now later, you don't have to, well, uh, verse 11 says, Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. You'll hear that verse many times in this sermon. It is basically God's sovereign plan. Number one is the doctrine of God's decree. And number two, the distinctions of the decree of God. The distinctions of the decree of God. And that's going to basically be our sermon today. There's one other verse that you need to understand. I think it is the most succinct, greatest verse on this subject. It is Ephesians 1.11. You know, all my members know it's one of my favorite verses. Listen, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of, and here it is, listen, of him who works all things. How many things? All things according to the counsel of who? His own will. But that is one of the most succinct verses on the subject. God works all things according to the counsel of his own will. The first distinction of God's decree is this. It is exclusive. It is exclusive. Now what do I mean by that? It is not based on outside influence. God has never made plans. God has never uh, had his will according to what you were going to do or what was going to happen in nature or what the stars were going to do on one day. Let me tell you what happens to stars. They do exactly what God says. 
He has worked all things according to what? The counsel of his will. God planned and purposed and, and purported all of human history and all of eternity in the council room with he himself. God consults with no one, not man nor angel. God considers nothing but his own pleasure, uh, pleasure and will to make his decrees. Did you hear that? God considers nothing but his own pleasure and will in making his decree. It's called being God. Some believe God looked down through time to see what would happen and then made his plans accordingly. Now, I'm going to say a big statement right here. That's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. Because you know what that is saying about God? That God had to learn something. And that God had to figure things out to make what he wanted happen. That's taking the godness away from God. Isaiah 46, 9. I'm going to get into this whole thing. We used verse 10 a minute ago, but look at this. Verse 9 of Isaiah 46 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. Hallelujah. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. I declared the end from the beginning. In other words, I declare all things. And from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all of my pleasure. Calling it. Now listen, you think, well, that's the big picture, Brother Ron. He, certainly he doesn't invade our free will. Listen. Calling a bird of prey from the east. Calling a little sparrow from the east. The man who ex executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. I, let, me just, let me just get this all over with. You're not going to get corona unless God wants you to. And if God wants you to, guess what you're going to do? You're going to get corona. Now, that doesn't mean, that's, I'm not a fatalist, and I don't believe that means God gives us sins. Even God has, a, 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 in the Old Testament, had a, 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 a system of uh, quarantining for people who are sick. But my friend, it all is in the hand of God. Number two, it is extensive. It's extensive. The decree of God is extensive. What do I mean by that? He works all things. Brother on you think even the little flap of a butterfly, flap of the wing of a butterfly, even the little flap of the wing of a butterfly. R.C. Sproul, I believe I'm going off my notes here, but R.C. Sproul said this, and I think it's true. He said, if there is one rogue molecule in all of this universe, then there is a chance that God's children could wind up in hell. If there's just one rogue molecule, he is not a sovereign God. But there's not one. It is all in his control, and he works all things, everything. I don't know how else to say it, including the ordination of good actions of people. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Even the good things we do, we do by the grace of God. And he, he gives us the ability to do it. And even sometimes leads us into it. Why else are we going to throw our crowns at his feet? Why else does the Bible say that all praise and glory and worth goes to him? Now, wait a minute. I did a few things down here, didn't I, Brother Will? Didn't Mama? Didn't I do some things? I should get a pat on the back. Now, let me tell you something. Everything you have is a good and gracious gift from the Almighty. The Bible says before you're saved, even your righteousness was filthy rags. That's how far away from God we are. Number two, also he is sovereign and, and he has decreed sinful actions. Uh oh. Well, in a way, maybe I should have worded that different, but let me give you the verses. Proverbs 16, 4 says... The Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked, for the day of doom. God even allowed the wicked to be born for his glory in judgment. That's what it says, people. Listen to what uh, Romans, this is not on my list, and we're not going to go there. I'm just going to kind of quote it from memory here. But Romans 9, 17, he's talking about Pharaoh, and he says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I have raised you up. The reason Pharaoh was where he was, when he was, is for God's good pleasure. Amen. Acts 2, 23, and you're going to hear this two or three times. These are great verses. You ought to mark them in your Bible. Acts 2, 23, him talking about Jesus being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Now, right there, we have the biggest conundrum of all time, God's sovereignty and man's uh, human uh, responsibility. Let me read it to you again. Him being delivered by the determinate purpose and foreknowledge of who? Of God. Why did Jesus come? God. Why did Jesus die? God. Why did Jesus rise again? God. It was all the purpose and plan of God, yet... It was the Jews' fault for killing him. It was the Romans' fault for killing him. Hey, it was your fault because it was your sins that nailed him to the cross. Acts 4, 27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, your servant that you anointed, and against them, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, oh, listen to this, and the people of Israel were gathered together to do, listen, to do what? Whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Listen, Jesus told them, didn't he? He said, you, you, no man takes my life. I'm laying it down freely. He said, I could at this very moment call ten thousands of angels to deliver me from here. I don't have to do this. I'm God, but I love you. Therefore, I'm going to go ahead and do it. This is the plan of God. It is God's sovereignty that is doing these things. Genesis 45, 8. So now it was not you. This is Joseph speaking, by the way, in the Old Testament. So now it was not you who sent me here to Egypt. But God, he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house, a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, I don't know if you know the story of, of uh, Joseph, but his brothers, they attacked.
attacked him and they threw him in a pit and they sold him into slavery. He wound up in Potiphar's house in Egypt and his wife tried to get him to have an illicit affair with him. He wouldn't do it and she lied about him and they threw him in prison for years and he rotted in prison there. God's servant, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have an affair with this woman because he wouldn't sin against God and he stayed faithful and there he was and one day God remembered him and he interpreted a dream for Pharaoh and he wound up to be the second most powerful man on all the earth and he goes and he talks to his brothers who sold him into slavery they came and he saved their life by what God did with him in Egypt in verse uh, Genesis 50 verse 20 but as for you you meant it evil against me but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Oh, the bad circumstances in our lives. Oh, the bad things that happen in this world. And some people even question, has God died? Has God turned his face away? No, my friend, he's as in control now as he was before he created this earth. And all the problems in your life, I want to tell you, he's got it handled. And with all your worry and anxiety and all your fear and your trepidation, there's nothing I know we're humans, we do that. But at the end of the day, keep reminding yourself, God's got it in control. God's got it in control. This is all working out for the pleasure of his will. Even seeming random acts as the flight of a butterfly. Listen, Proverbs 16, The lot is cast, the dice, if you would. Modern, let's modern it up here. The, the dice are, are, the lot is cast in the lap, but it, it, it's every decision is from the Lord. It's every decision is from the Lord. The third aspect of God's decree is it is eternal. It is eternal. What do I mean by that? Let me read a few verses. Isaiah 46, 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. In other words, he plans it all the way from the beginning of time all the way to the end of time. And everything in between or whatever is out there, God uh, is in control. 2 Timothy 2, excuse me, 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. Actually, verse 8, we see that he's talking about God. God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Now listen, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Now listen, when did he do this? When did he call us? When did he save us, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This is an awesome God. I don't know if you'll figure that out yet or not. Let me give you Ephesians 1.4. Listen to this. Just as he chose us in him. When? Before the foundation were unchosen. I'm not going to get into what all it means, but it's just a good word to mean you're saved. It's an awesome word. You ought to learn it. Elect, chosen. It just means you saved, that God saves you. But when did he do it? Before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. 2 Thessalonians 2.13, along that same vein, it says this, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. The choosing was in time past. The sanctification of the Spirit and believing the truth are in time present. 
The word eternal, by the way, listen. The word eternal, by the way. I, I, have a, I was at a friend's house last night. You had to be Church of Christ. If he listens to this, you shouldn't have brought it up. But he poked at me about us Baptists believing in one saved, always saved. And I didn't say this, but I wanted to. What part of eternal life do y'all not understand? Well, I think you can lose it. Then it wasn't eternal, and God lied. This is the promise that he promised us, even eternal life. But let me tell you, that same word eternal about your salvation is the same word eternal about God's existence. It's the same word about Christ's existence. And the word doesn't mean will always be. It means always was, always will be. Always was, always will be. So as long as God's been alive, I've been saved. Amen. He says from the beginning, he has chosen us for salvation. And he has given us eternal life. Now in time, yes, I called on his name. In time, yes, I heard the preacher, the witness, and I called on his name. But my friend, all glory, honor, and blessing goes to God for even my salvation. That's what the Bible says. Not only is it eternal, it's effective. Effective. Isaiah 46, 10 again. My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. My counsel shall stand. Let me tell you something. God's never going to say, uh-oh. He's never going to go, ooh. Never. God doesn't wring his hands in heaven and wonder if it's all going to work out. He knows it's going to work out. He's the sovereign God is in control of every little molecule, atom, electron, neutron, whatever it is. He's in control of all of it. He has decreed all of it. And his counsel shall stand. Now listen, I go on. Psalm 33:11 The counsel of the Lord shall stand forever. That's how long it's going to stand forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Proverbs 19:21 There are many plans in a man's heart. Now listen, you got a lot of plans, don't you? You got a lot of things. You're going to do a lot of things to protect yourself from this disease. You're going to do a lot of things to protect yourself from them them hornets. And well, you should do that. But I do have to remind you of this, all right? Listen. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Many plans in our hearts, but it is God's will that will happen. It is God's will that will stand. If these statements are not true, He is not God. Do you hear me? Now, I know I'm going a little long, but listen, stay, I'm not really going long. I got, listen to me. Let me say that again. If these statements that I just said about His counsel will endure are everlasting, He, if it's not true, He is not God. And fifthly, his counsel, his decrees are enduring. Now, this is very close to everlasting, I know. But, but listen, actually, it's the word immutable. That's the, that's the uh, theological term, immutable. In other words, it never changed. God never changes. Although the following verses also speak to the eternality of God's decrees, they also speak to the fact that they will never change. In other words, God is not going to in midstream change his mind. Because if God has to change his mind, guess what? He's not God. 
Job 23, 13, but he is unique. I love the way that the New King James puts that. But he is unique, and who can make him change? And whatever his soul desires, that he does. Psalm 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. It stands. It's going to stay the same. His plan of his heart to all generations. Isaiah 14, 24, the Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, surely I have thought. Now listen, I love this verse. Are you listening? Listen to this. Surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. And as I have purposed, so it shall stand. These are awesome verses. God is not going to change his mind midstream. There's nothing you can do to help him change his mind or to let him change his mind. And I know you think, well, what about Moses? He prayed and God changed his mind. Listen, he just did that for our sake. God has known and has planned everything that has happened. We are fallen. We are fallen creatures with limited knowledge and limited wisdom. And our plans change, don't they? Don't their plans change all the time? Sometimes it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Sometimes we look back and think, whoo, thank God he did that. But God is not God if his plans change. For that would go against his omniscience and divine perfect wisdom. He doesn't have to change. He gets it right every time. Exalting, and this is the last point. Exalting. This is an aspect of God's decree. Everything, everything. Every little molecule, every breathing human, every lizard that slimes across the road, every snake that slithers in the bushes, everything is for the glory of God. To manifest and bring praise to God's glory is the last aspect of God's decree. Now I want you to watch the screen if you have different if you have different uh, Bible translations and all and I, I I don't want to be mean but but let's all read this in the same translation and it'll be up on the screen these are some of the greatest verses in all the Bible we skip over them so quickly but listen Romans 11 verse 33 oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Let me tell you something. I am on a fool's errand today. I personally, as I preach to you, am on a fool's errand trying to describe to you the awesomeness and the greatness of God. But he told me to try. Verse 34. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall uh, be repaid to him? Of him, through him, to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. God is sovereign over everything. And God has decreed all things. Now, 
I'm going to say a few more things because I want to get back to my message in Romans 5. We've really kind of departed out of Romans 5, but not really. Now we're going to get back to it. In the case of our text, in due time, at the appointed moment, Christ died for you. Christ died for you. It was in the plan of God. It was in the mind of God from all eternity. As you sit here and mock the preacher in your heart and while we yawn through amazing grace, God, before the foundation of the world, began to plan to rescue you from the sin that would destroy you. Acts 2.23 again says, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died. No man took his life. It was God's plan for him to die as a sacrifice in your place. Acts 4.27, for truly against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together, verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before. Before what? Before anything. Before the world. To be done. So this decree of God hits us in this place today because, listen today, friend, God determined to die in your place. God determined that you be born. God decreed that you would come to this place today. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. It's not happenstance that you're here today. And my friend, if you hear the message of salvation, which you have heard today, and you reject it, you will die for your own sin. But we pray today that you would hear and see the voice of God and call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Amen. The crucifixion was not an afterthought. It was in the heart and mind and thus the purpose of God eternally. Therefore, we were in the heart and mind and purpose of God eternally. And here is back in our text. He demonstrated his love toward us eternally. Did you get that? Did you get that? Because it bothers me somebody didn't shout. <laughs> Baptists. <laughs> Let me say it again. It was in the heart and mind and thus the purpose of God eternally. Therefore, we are in the heart and mind and purpose of God eternally. Thus, he has demonstrated his love toward us eternally. Listen, God is a triune God, and that's good news for you and me. That means he knows how to love and how to express love. That's all he's ever done is to show love to his son. And he said, I want to show more love. And so he created this world. And even though we have sinned and deserve his destruction... He has died in our place. And he says, call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved.